This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. The expansion of technology during the COVID-19 pandemic drastically shifted the landscape of church ministry. Though some changes were temporary, many will remain. As one of the Arbor researchers put it, the toothpaste can't be put back in the tube. Our research indicates that more than two-thirds of respondents believe their church was reshaped due to its embrace of technology during the pandemic. Older churches and older participants were even more likely to see their congregation reshaped. Given these results, we believe the recent shift in technology has changed more than just a few activities. It changed the structure or landscape of ministry practice itself. Welcome to COVID and the Church. I'm your host, Aaron Hill, editor of Church Salary, a ministry of Christianity Today. Join us as we unpack the results of Church Salary and Arbor Research Group's landmark study on the impact of COVID-19 on the American church. Download your free copy and follow along with our discussion by visiting churchsalary.com slash COVID study. To quantify this virtually universal experience, I'm joined by two researchers from the Arbor Research Group, Dr. Tyler Greenway and CEO of Arbor Research, Dr. Terry Linhart. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great to be here. Tyler, this is your first appearance on the podcast, so Terry asked if he could uh, give a little introduction of you. So, Terry, uh, why don't you give us a little bio here on uh, Dr. Tyler? Yeah, that always makes him nervous when I do that, but uh, <laughs> I'm super excited to be able to introduce Dr. Tyler Greenway to you all. He's a research consultant with Arbor Research Group and an associate professor of psychology at Calvin University, where he teaches statistics and research design, psychology, and religion courses. A lot of our listeners are probably familiar with his work. They just didn't know it was from him, but for many years, almost 10, he was at Fuller Youth Institute and involved in many of the books and resources that have come out of FYI. And he and I met at a conference and I knew the work that he had done and he joined Arbor Research Group about six, seven years ago, and he's been anchoring our projects ever since. So super excited he's on the podcast here and that people get to learn from him today. Yeah, definitely. We, we're excited to have you on the podcast, Tyler. So you wrote the chapter on this theme in our full report, and we were talking about this before the podcast, that you know other organizations have published research and articles about changes in technology during the pandemic among churches. So the conclusion that the pandemic impacted technology isn't isn't going to shock anyone, but we do have a lot of insights that I know will be helpful to pastors and leaders. So before we get into the technical details and numbers, Tyler, can you give us kind of a quick survey of the technology landscape, maybe even the pre-COVID situation for the church? Yeah, absolutely. So as many of us have probably experienced, there's kind of a range of use of technology in churches. Some churches were using a lot of technology. Others used less. Some were planning to make upgrades. Others weren't. And then because of COVID, a lot changed. Uh, some of those changes were accelerated because of the pandemic. They were in the works already, but they were sped up. Other changes, mm -hmm. they really only took place because of the pandemic. Churches were planning to keep things simple technologically and then needed to make changes to adapt quickly to the pandemic. And you mentioned that in our research, we found that more than two-thirds of respondents believe their church was reshaped due to its embrace of technology. 
among those, among those people who said their church was reshaped, more than three quarters of survey respondents said their church now currently offers and will continue to offer online services. Almost two thirds mm. purchased video equipment for the first time and almost half established online giving options. So some big changes for churches. Uh, we, we call this a tectonic shift in technology just because it was such a big shift for so many churches. So in the chapter, uh, Tyler, you note three main tectonic shifts that were caused by technology during the pandemic. The first one was a shift in staffing. And then the, the third one was the creation of new spaces for ministry. And there's some obvious overlap here with the nine other nine common experiences. Specifically, some of that we're going to discuss in upcoming episodes. But Terry, can you give us an overview of how changes in technology caused a shift or a change in staffing? One of the things I like about this project, which has taken place over many months and had different methods, it wasn't just a survey. It was also a series of focus groups mm. and a series of very intentional case studies and conversations because what happens is you get a, a percentage or a, a relationship, a statistically significant finding, and you want to know more about that. And that's where the focus groups came in. As we started talking to pastors about what these changes were, and they can't be overstated, the technological game has changed for the local church. And pastors were having to take on more responsibility. In fact, nearly 70% said part of their new responsibility was related to technology. Well, Tyler just said, you know, two-thirds bought video equipment for the first time. Well, yeah. uh, imagine no one being technologically savvy. Suddenly there's a, a set of gear in their church and they had to be challenged with not only producing something, but of a certain quality. And that was one of the fears of this, that whatever they would do, they'd look silly, the, mm. the quality wouldn't be so high. But what happened in this was that there suddenly became for almost all churches an online strategy, if mm. you think about that. That churches that would be hesitant to do it suddenly had that as part of their conversation. They weren't hesitant to talk about that. And as one of our team members framed it, pastors were asked to innovate the church like 30 years worth of innovation in about 30 days. And yeah. so that was a lot of pressure, and that was intimidating. So they had to suddenly learn and grow. In fact, it was interesting when we would form focus groups online and we'd get the pastors in the focus group, and it'd be that before we hit record moment, you know, what they were talking to each other about was often technology. Hey, what mm. did you all do? How did you adjust? What did you do to online? And it was really fascinating to listen to them talk to each other. It was a very big shift. And often if a church was larger, they'd put like the worship pastor or the youth pastor in charge because they're often younger and they'd be, yeah. oh, you know more about technology. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. And one of the responses that we included in the chapter here, the pastor was uh, surprised at how much they were able to accomplish through just an iPhone and some pre-recorded music. And I feel like that level of change wouldn't have been possible if this sort of underlying technological changes hadn't already occurred where live streaming through Facebook and these different applications on your phone or from an iPad wasn't possible. You know, the the church that I currently attend, when I first started going there, they had shifted to using uh, an iPad on a stand that was controlled by someone just standing in the first couple pews. And then recently they bought like an integrated camera that someone can control uh, from the back of the sanctuary. So technological advances in iPads and iPhones, in online streaming software, and quite frankly, a, a major jump in internet bandwidth played a huge role in this uh, sea change of technology. The other thing we don't talk about, because we often think of streaming services and online ministry, but Tyler mentioned it in particular, that online giving there, we can't overstate that mm. that's a significant shift 
for many congregations for whom you would never think of not passing the plates. And now those some of those churches may not even pass the plate at all. It may not even mention that there's an offering where others think that's part of why we gather together. But for many churches, online giving became a thing they had to do. And now it's something that they normally do. Whereas four years ago, that yeah. battle would have been too big to fight. Yeah. Uh, you could think of it in terms of an adoption wave. A lot of churches had already adopted some of this technology, but the pandemic pushed that adoption wave forward like immediately. What felt before uh, like it was optional suddenly became a requirement just to stay alive and stay connected to the congregation. So Tyler, the, the second major shift that you talk about in the chapter is changes to worship and preaching. And obviously a lot of churches were posting the pastor's message online or, or even streaming services before the pandemic. So it's not like this was an entirely new thing. But what did our research uncover about this change related to worship and preaching because of technology? One of the more noticeable ministry shifts was a shift toward fully online worship and preaching. So at least for a time, many churches worshiped entirely online with no in-person mm. options. And related to that, we asked a question about using online meeting software, so Zoom or something like that. And we asked from 2019 to 2022, how often did you use these different softwares? We have a chart for this in the report. And from 2019 to 2020, so just that shift from 2019 to 2020, we found a fourfold, fivefold, sixfold, and in some cases, a ninefold increase in using online meeting software for certain ministries, a ninefold increase, which is huge. Yeah. And then churches reported using online meeting software less in 2022. So as the years went on, those numbers did decrease, but the numbers are still at least three times higher than they were in 2019. This is the, the magnitude of change here. And as we've noted, a lot of other things shifted as well. Many churches also began assessing online attendance for the first time during the pandemic, mm -hmm. which, which is a new thing, a big shift. And also notably, almost two-thirds of leaders plan to continue to offer hybrid worship services indefinitely, which is, again, a huge shift in the way many people are doing ministry. Terry, the third major shift that we observed in our study was how technology created new spaces for ministry. What was unique about those spaces and what does the data tell us about whether those are going to endure for the next couple of years or, or into the foreseeable future? Well, I think they are going to endure. The phrase that we use in this chapter that you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, our, our lives have changed. You and I have been talking through email recently about how churches are navigating an increasingly mobile society that we're in that lives farther away from each other with the desire to do community, but they don't have common places to meet each other outside of gathering. And so often we're driving 20 to 30 minutes to the church. And one of the things that's coming out on research in general from other entities, not just ours, about this space is that convenience is becoming a significant value for how people interact with the church. And that means that through technology on a regular basis, almost a monthly basis, they're going to be interacting with our religious services. And so that's why I think we're not going to go back to anything. And so some of the spaces that developed, of course, was the online ministries that you talked about through the worship services. But we we were in a focus group with some East Coast churches one night. I remember talking with them, and they were developing Bible studies and meetings that were happening where people 
weren't attending before the COVID pandemic, but after during it, they suddenly were free to join on a Wednesday night, a Bible study group, where otherwise they would have to drive 50 minutes around the city to attend. Mm. So yeah. creating these spaces for connection and for input, for information, for community, and you know, there's still a significant number of adults in America who are interacting monthly with religious services through through online engagement. And so this is streaming, obviously, as Tyler just talked about, but also now an app. So suddenly we have a 24-7 space. More churches are doing mm. that than before, where people can stay connected, plugged in, whatever catchphrase uh, a ministry uses. Websites are being improved, although um, alert, you could stand to improve them a little more with like better... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do a lot with churches, as you know, and you do too. And I go to a website and, uh, you know, if I'm visiting and I'll say, well, where is the church for one? Is the address on the uh-huh. website? And then what time are the services? And it's still surprising to me on a website how hard that is uh, to Oh my uh, to gosh, find. I have to, have to share this. The other day I was on a website and it was a multi-site church and I'm scrolling through and I'm going, I don't even know what state this is in. I'm trying to figure out what... What what state are you located in? We they they've become so generic that you're you know you're trying to like figure out you know well which McDonald's is this because there's like three thousand of them in the state you know so well the fourth area then is uh, whatever state you're in you can use social media right and so learning how to navigate Facebook and I've seen churches streaming on LinkedIn even of all places in that but, oh wow. You know, technology created an opportunity. The, the pandemic pushed us through this door. We have this opportunity. There is an increased awareness now. And so we're able to serve and reach new people and create community as well. And I think that's something that I hope stays. I hope that we continue. I'm worried that we're just going to go back to uh, ignoring that a little bit. And I'm hoping that the lesson that we learned in the pandemic, that we can reach out, that we can involve more people, it can be a new front door for people, uh, continues uh, here post-pandemic. I I just got to put a plug in for a book by Dave Adamson called Meta Church, where I think he talks about a lot of the things that churches need to be thinking about, about how we become uh, a church that's integrated with technology in significant ways. Tyler, despite the obvious benefits of technology, for a host of reasons, not every church was able to or was eager to use technology for in-person meetings or for worship services. Uh, What were some of the challenges, obstacles, or objections that churches had when it came to implementing technology? Yeah, one reason why some churches struggled to use technology was a lack of high-speed internet access. Others struggled because participants didn't have uh, access to new devices. We've read many articles about challenges associated with kids trying to join classes for school, and churches faced a lot of those same challenges. Uh, Internet wasn't fast enough, devices weren't fast enough, these kinds of things. And some people were also less experienced with technology. So for many people, this was their first video call, their first Zoom call. They'd never joined a conference call like this, and this was all entirely new to them. They were trying to reach out to their church community, but they were just unsure how to do so. And uh, some churches themselves didn't have the technology for streaming. So the participants, the members didn't have the the technology. Sometimes churches didn't have the technology. Uh, We heard a lot of great stories in our focus groups, though, about people who very generously donated a lot of money so that their church could update their technology quickly. Mm. And amidst all of that, many pastors and other leaders were tasked with making these updates. And this is something that they 
probably weren't trained to do in seminary. <laughs> I know this is this is a different kind yeah. of challenge. Is you're trained to read the Bible to preach, and now all of a sudden you're tasked with getting your church up to speed on all of these technological advances. And amidst all of those things, they're also simultaneously addressing other challenges related to the pandemic. And one of those was deciding when to hold meetings, when to meet in person, these kinds of things. And Mm. pastors felt the weight of those decisions and the risks that came with them. And many of the pastors we interviewed still felt the weight of those decisions months later. There was a lot of challenges associated with uh, technology, with meeting, with all of these changes and shifts and responsibilities. Hi, my name is David Lee, and I serve as the lead pastor at Harvest Community Church in the suburb of Hoffman Estates, and we've been here since 1995. David, you're quoted in the report in Chapter 3 on COVID as the Great Revealer, but I thought your story was incredibly relevant to our topic today of technology. So you shared in the study how you were surprised by the commitment of your congregation when the Uh, what you said, the normal scaffolding of church was ripped away. And specifically, you noted how people fought for whatever measure of connection they could get. Uh, Can you unpack that quote for me? How did COVID-19 impact your church and your ability to connect and operate? Yeah, we realized that for so many people, the scaffolding of the church really referring to the regular programming and all the, the recurring events and the infrastructure that was Uh, provided for people so that mainly what they needed to do was just show up and participate. And when all of that went away, the real question left for all of us in leadership was, will people make the effort to replace those dynamics with whatever creative solutions they can? Or when the tram, if you will, had stopped operating, would they just sit where they were Mm. or they keep moving on their own feet? And it was sort of like the feeling of when an escalator stops working and people don't know what to do. It just becomes stairs and you have to walk. But <laughs> how will that affect people, right? Yeah. And, and so I think that's what we're wondering. How will people respond when the normal programming is gone? And now you have to question, like, how do you connect to the broader church? And how do you connect with your faith when the normally recurring activities aren't, aren't available as they once were? So you mentioned a couple of examples of how that happened in your church. Can you share some of those with us? Yeah. I mean, obviously with the lockdown, we wanted to honor the restrictions that were placed. And so small groups were one of the hardest hit because outside of a Sunday service, um, that was the place where people actually connected life on life. And because we were unable and many people unwilling to be in an enclosed space with other people, uh, and because sometimes as the weather was getting colder, it became impractical to do that in public spaces. The question was, how will we do community? And we were really blessed to hear about this one small group in our church. The men meet separately and the women meet separately. And the men uh, ended up deciding to meet outdoors around an open fire through the entirety of a Chicago winter. Wow. Sometimes very cold temperatures. And they just huddled around the fire and fought for community. Uh, And we just remember as leaders being so touched by that story and thinking how grateful we were to see our folks rising up and taking these extraordinary measures 
to fight for community and for their faith. So in, in today's episode, we're talking about technology and how churches leveraged it during the pandemic. And I want to touch on some of the ways that your church was changed by technology in just a second. But in a previous episode, we talked about how COVID-19 and the events of the pandemic functioned as the great revealer for a lot of churches. COVID-19 didn't necessarily create new problems. It just peeled back and revealed the underlying state of things. And you're actually quoted in that chapter as a positive example, because one of the things that COVID revealed was the resiliency or the, the health of churches. Talk to me about how your church responded to the lockdowns and whether COVID revealed underlying health or, or maybe even some, some weakness in your church. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to oversell it. Like every church, we had a range of commitment levels and initiative. And so, like every other church, we had some people who dropped away mm. when it was much harder to stay connected, and we totally understand that. But by and large, we, we I, I agree with the idea that COVID and this extraordinary circumstance revealed what was the underlying health and the general state of the congregation before that, because when the external programs that we provided were gone... We need to see how much initiative our people would take to go that extra step to re replace those dynamics in their life. And we were very pleasantly surprised to see how many people continue to engage with us online and whenever we could in person. As soon as the government opened up minimal or you know limited assembly, we started opening the garage bays and we had propane heaters and we, we just, uh, in our warehouse, mm. in our building, we just met. Uh, when it was 25, the first 25 to sign up got to attend. And we saw those services filled to capacity each time. Mm. Because we're not in Southern California, we didn't have a, the option of outdoor services year round. But as soon as the weather was tolerable, uh, we be began meeting in our parking lot and people began to come out. And so we were really grateful to see that people rose to it. And then as soon as we returned little by little in phases to the things they were familiar with, we, we found that we hadn't lost very many people mm. and that a, a good number of new people started venturing out and visiting. And I think part of it was they were drawn by the stories our people were telling them in private uh, of the life they were finding through the church. And so we're really grateful for that. Wow. Wow. That's, that's really encouraging. So one of the chapters that we're going to be talking about in this study in an upcoming episode focuses on political polarization. Uh, specifically, some of our research uncovered that churches who fought over pandemic health measures or where there was... Um, you know, conflict within the congregation, regardless of state-level restrictions, they had worse outcomes than churches that were like-minded and supported the decisions of their leaders, even if they didn't always agree um, 
or even if they just decided not to fight over it. I'm located in Illinois, uh, like you, actually right around the corner, and I know that we were pretty locked down for a while. So what was your experience with political polarization at your church? Uh, Was your church on the same page about pandemic health measures, and how did you see that playing out over the course of the pandemic? Yeah, it's interesting. Prior to my coming to ministry, I was studying at the graduate level uh, in the area of epidemiology and infectious diseases. And so I had at least a little bit of fluency, but it's been so many years that I don't consider myself or anyone on my pastoral staff to be medical experts. Mm. And so in acknowledgement of that, we wanted to make sure that it was a data-driven set of policies and not just how we felt politically about it or spiritually about it. And so we raised up a team of medical professionals at our church who then served as a medical advisory team. And I won't begin to pretend that everyone in the congregation was equally happy with all of their decisions or, or perspectives, but it was nice to have a team of professionals for whom this was their day job and their area of expertise. And they met regularly and really helped us navigate the hard calls with data that supported the decisions. And then we were just careful to emphasize to people that we are really fighting for unity in a divisive time and through a divisive issue. And if this w- this is the deal breaker issue for you related to whether you will engage with the church or not, then we will understand you deciding to disengage. But what we don't want is for people to rip our community apart over our decisions on this issue when we are expressing our very best effort to do what we believe is the right thing, while at the same time fighting as much as the law will allow for us to do the thing that honors God and builds our community. And so what what was important was for people not to see us taking the radically safe positions or the most conservative position, but to fight for mass assembly and gathering together um, and to create those openings as soon as they were viably available to us. Um, And yet at the same time, we did respect the law as members of this community and, and citizens of this land. And we did that largely through this team being willing to take some of the flack and uh, deflect some of the pressure so the pastors wouldn't be asked to render Mm. medical decisions on top of ministry ones. Yeah, that was one of the biggest challenges. Uh, One of the pastors that we interviewed for a previous episode specifically cited the demand to be an epidemiologist, to be an expert in all these various fields was (laughs) uh, constant and overwhelming especially because there was so much disagreement and misinformation flying around online. Yeah, yeah. So turning back to this week's common experience of what we're calling a tectonic shift in technology, as you look forward to the future and reflect on how COVID has changed ministry at your church, talk to me about the lasting impact that technology has made on your congregation or changes that you've made in terms of technology uh, and, and how you've used that to care for your community. Yeah, I mean, one of the the great insights for us was when Zoom and video conferencing was all that we had, we wondered, could you really create any kind of meaningful human connection over video? And we learned that, yeah, after about five minutes, the novelty of it wears off and you're really just in it. You feel deeply engaged. And so we realized that because we are not truly a community church, but a commuter church, Mm. and our people are driving in from all over Chicagoland, we learned that we could actually take a lot of the the drive time and some of that extra burden off of the people coming in from further communities and try to accomplish a little more through video meetings when we can. Uh, And that was a a great learning for us is that video conferencing is not as good as in person, but it's not nearly as bad as we imagined it to be before. Yeah. And so that's helped some of our outliers from feeling like they got to drive 45 minutes in every time we choose to gather. So is that something where you're using Zoom 
just for small groups, uh, maybe like team meetings and things like that? Or are you still using online broadcasting for uh, Sunday worship or both? Uh, we're, we're still live streaming our services and putting it out on, on YouTube af- as a finished product after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, we do that for those people largely who are wanting to, quote unquote, visit a church before they have to come in person. Gotcha. Um, and, and it's no longer for the people who can't, for medical reasons, come in. There are some who meet that criteria, but primarily the motivation is not uh, in response to COVID, but realizing how many people found value in checking us out virtually before they visited us in person. Uh, and, and it then becomes a resource for those who miss the service because of legitimate travel or other things. Yeah, We realize that we do need to consider why some small groups didn't gel well and, and make it through that very well and why mm. others did. And what does it mean to foster real community? Mm. And we realize that people fall on a spectrum of just how deep they want to go. And so we created other options for people who, for whom like the average small group context doesn't go deep enough for where they are in their spiritual journey. And they wanted to go deeper. So we crafted other smaller gatherings that are exclusive closed groups of, of three that go much, much deeper. And they run for about 18 months together. And those those have been really helpful for, for the people who have participated in that because they realized that they were consistently complaining that their small group didn't go deep enough, mm. but it was going as deep as the collective group was ready to go and it still had value. And so they took their desire for more depth and found another outlet for that. And, and that was a good learning for us is that the church isn't a one-size-fits-all endeavor, but people fall on a spectrum of what they really need to flourish at a given stage of their journey. That's awesome. Uh, so it sounds like you use the pandemic as an opportunity to evaluate how you were meeting the needs of your congregation and, and what they really needed as opposed to the ideas that we tend to cook up in rooms with other pastors that we don't really run by anybody before we actually go out and, and put a lot of time and effort into them, uh, or ideas and ways of doing things that you get attached to just because you've always done it that way. Uh, it sounds like the the pandemic pause helped you wrestle with some of those philosophical and, and purpose questions, especially as it relates uh, to technology, which which is really encouraging. Yes, a- absolutely. And I would say in addition to that, we didn't just learn what our people needed, but we recognized that they also need to keep contributing. And uh, we don't want to fall into a, our church's consumer mindset and just mm-hmm. keep giving them the easiest things for them. But we had to find creative ways to include them and allow them to make a contribution, even when we were all digital for a while. And, and so unlike our traditional service where the, the staff and the clergy did so much of the leading from in front, we had people recording announcements and prayers and scripture readings in their homes oh. and submitting the video. And so what we saw during the pandemic was a very collaborative worship service where normally people who wouldn't stand up in front were able to be a part of that. And that's another way that we, we recognize we can't just give people a service. They need to serve mm. in some meaningful way. And that really helped strengthen the church spiritually, I think, during those months. Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's a really uh, fascinating use of technology. I know we're not locked down anymore, but I, I really like that idea as a way to involve people. Uh, some of whom might not be comfortable getting up on stage in front of a big crowd. You know, it's always a challenge getting people involved in the worship service. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing the testimony of your church as you navigated the pandemic, especially the ways that you've been using technology to help minister to your congregation of commuters, as you as you call them. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
So we just heard from uh, a pastor about how technology uh, impacted their church and they were able to use it and, and leverage it. So I'm going to open this one up to both of you as we as we wrap up here and, and get your thoughts on this last question. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Uh, in Back to the Future 2, Marty McFly and Doc Brown discovered that they, they can't go back to the present. They've changed enough events in the timeline that they can't go back to where they started. Side note, the uh, I was actually reminded the other day that Back to the Future takes place in 1985, and they go back in time 30 years to 1955. And I realized that if you go back in time from today, you would land in 1993, which is, is just depressing. So I, I don't know that anybody wants to turn the clock back to 2019, but what is going to stick around? What does our research indicate? And what do you guys think based on your own opinions? And how do you think technology is going to continue to shape the future of the church? One of the things I think that's already here and hopefully will stay here is much more of an integration between the in-person and the external, the online, whatever that is, and all those spaces that I mentioned earlier. I think that thinking has already changed. And that's the significant part, that now it's accepted. There's another project that showed that uh, now the technology is less intimidating. Now it's known how it's going to work. And so that learning curve that Tyler was talking about is here. And so now it's a, an opportunity. It's a, it's a hopefulness. It's a, I'll probably say this on the last episode, but all throughout this research, we were very impressed with the resiliency of these pastors in spite of how they felt about their own weariness and mm. struggles. We were also impressed with how hopeful they were for the future still and committed to the ministry they're in, even though they were questioning how long they could do it. And I think that's going to be it. It's going to be that ability for a church to provide an opportunity for people to conveniently tune in and be and stay connected when they can't be gathered together with other people. It's interesting. I, I also think we can't long for 30 years ago, Aaron. <laughs> uh, I was listening to a podcast this week from Ron Howard. He was talking about his journey as a filmmaker mm. and and scaling and, and how he grew his, his filmmaking company. He said it was funny as a kid on the Andy Griffith show. And a lot of the guest stars that were on the Andy Griffith show, these actors that would come through, uh, got their start in radio. And he said during the breaks, all they would do is complain about how television was killing radio dramas. <laughs> you know, And now we wouldn't even think about that yeah. is a an elevated value, but and but think of how often we still yeah. do that. And oh, I wish for this in the past. And oh, I wish for that. And I don't think we can do that. I think we need to say, okay, this is here, and how can we use it and uh, respectfully so, faithfully so, and help our church reach our communities. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think that quote, the the toothpaste can't be put back in the tube, is such a good descriptor for what's happened. The toothpaste is out. We can't put it back in. Here it is. What are we going to do? It's definitely made me think a lot about how this technology is going to shape the future of the church. As, as a parent, I see a lot of reports about the effects of like smartphones and social media on children and young people. And uh, we're just beginning to understand many of these effects. This, this is something that's obviously been rolled out for a while, and we're just beginning to understand these effects. 
And as someone who's uh, a researcher and uh, very much interested in researching ministry and uh, you know how how technology has impacted ministry, I definitely wonder about technology and churches similarly. I think we're mm. just beginning to understand the effects, both the positive effects, uh, the good things, and then also the negative effects. And I think we're going to continue to learn a great deal about how this shift in technology impacts the church. And I look forward to learning more. Yeah, I, I think one of the challenges that churches have faced and it came up a lot in the survey responses and focus groups was a frustration that, you know, quote, our people moved online and they haven't come back to the pews. And I think that that's going to be one of those challenges where even as churches continue to offer online ministry and worship, they really need to wrestle with why. Why do people not want to attend in person? Because in ministry, uh, as I said in a previous episode, it's it's easy to blame people uh, to assume that they're spiritually immature and that that'll you know that's sort of the cause of all our issues. Uh, but I see this dilemma of getting people back into the pews as an opportunity for churches to analyze whether they're really meeting people's needs. Like, what are we providing them with? Perhaps the worship service that we're offering is an inherently passive experience. Maybe it doesn't require their participation, even in person. So there's no space for community or fellowship in our Sunday morning schedule, and the worship services that we offer are just as easily experienced from home as they are in person. And I think it's easy when we talk about technology to get caught up in uh, debates about cameras and and lighting and all these sort of technical questions. But I feel like uh, as we just listened in our interview with uh, Pastor David Lee, that these philosophical questions about the nature of church and and what we're how we're meeting people's needs are the kinds of questions that we should be asking before we lament that people aren't coming back. And like Terry was saying, I think we need to think about how we can holistically implement these uh, technological options and come up with a strategy that can actually meet the needs of our congregations. Well, I want to thank both of you. Terry and Tyler for joining me today to talk about this common experience of a tectonic shift in technology during the pandemic. Next week, we're going to talk about how many churches adapted to restrictions and lockdowns by shifting their ministry outside the walls of their building. COVID and the Church is a production of Church Salary, a ministry of Christianity Today. Executive producers are Aaron Hill, Terry Linhart, and Matt Stevens. Host, Aaron Hill. COVID and the Church is produced in conjunction with the Arbor Research Group and funded by the Lilly Endowment Incorporated through a grant from the Economic Challenges Facing Pastoral Leaders Initiative. Director for CT Media is Matt Stevens. Tyler Bradford Wright is our audio engineer, editor, and composer. Artwork provided by Ryan Johnson, and our art director is Sarah Gordon. <laughs>